also re- like retirement beard going on right now, I must say. Yeah, I was wondering if anybody would... Uh, <laughs> You're gonna, you look very relaxed. Uh, yep. Or, uh, what, or an exam beard more. Yeah, well... Uh, <clears throat> or like I man's... Think, or like recluse in the cabin yeah, beard. I find that the... Or you're like heading there. It seems like you're heading towards like, are we going to see you in like two months? (laughs) Daylight savings is also a factor, I think. I'm really lost in the the day-night schedule. And I find, especially living on the island of Hamilton uh, for a while, I thought it was the right time to invest in a beard. Sort of, I'm going to be out there for like a... The, the correct amount of time to sort of get over the hump of seeing if I can pull off the beard. Yeah. Because I, I was told that you, if you haven't put four months into it, then you really haven't tried. So Wow. N- I have never put four months into a beard. No? Maybe John, max three. What do you say, John? About what? About beards? Uh, how long is it? I actually Oh, wait, Googled sorry. It. Are you saying how long like to grow a beard or how long to just like hang on to a beard? Uh. Before you say you've given it the proper effort, I, he- I heard it. Um, I actually Googled it how long <laughs> it should take, and it said there's a wide, a lot of variation. But uh, at an average pace, if you want to have a beard, it takes like four months. Like maybe I feel I think when I grew my beard, it didn't take four months. I think after like two months, I had like a big bushy beard. Oh yeah, but um, I mean it's maybe like for me, I think it was maybe a month when I crossed that line between like, I simply haven't shaved and like, yeah. Oh look, a beard. I'm at, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm at, um, I'm at two months now. So what can I say? Except for this is <laughs> anybody got a ruler that'll measure <laughs> beard hair. <laughs> this can be a feature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was okay. So I mentioned that, or you guys might've heard, your sources that the uh, white album was just re-released. And yeah, I've seen posters of it downtown. I was. It's all on Spotify, so okay. I was listening to it. It's like six discs. What? Uh, but it's fun. It's a really easy listen. It's looser takes, studio uh, okay. takes, of right? And plus unreleased tracks. And I thought that they had really. I, I had assumed they must have really mined, uh, their uh, archives for everything with those anthology mm-hmm. that were really that was like six discs oh yeah i don't know that like was a lot that was 95 to 97 six? yeah 95 96 yeah and uh but uh, apparently they had like uh so the first two discs are the white album and then it's four discs of bonus material and it's really fun to listen to yeah there's nothing like shocking uh there's some tracks i'd never heard of before but anyways i was like thinking about our conversation recently about liking the Beatles and people yeah. who hate on the Beatles are probably just being trolls or yeah. how could you really hate them? Maybe you're sick of them or something. Right. And I was thinking how it must be so fun to be a Beatles fan because they were so consistent for so long. Yeah. And comparing that to being a Pumpkins <laughs> fan and how <laughs> frustrating it is. But I was also thinking about, and I always get this number wrong, but I think they were only like the entire lifespan of the Beatles was only like six years or something. No. What do you mean? No, that's but not true. I mean, they started in the late 50s and they were like you sure? Yeah, I mean, they were they were in We didn't uh, intern to Google. Well, okay, I mean, just do it on your phone because I can't do it on my computer. I'll make yeah. noise. Um, but no, they okay, the first record was like 
uh, 64 or something like that, (laughs) 63. But they'd been playing before that. They were in Germany. Like, they'd played as a band a lot, like, of many years. Well, I guess it depends what you mean by lifespan, because if you mean from the inception of the band or when they kind of got big and became, like, a thing that was known, right? I mean, there was only a couple of years, I guess, between forming and becoming really big and then there was like big um in the uk and then when they got big in the states so yeah i mean you go between like because like what was you know the ed sullivan show what was that like 64 or something formed formed in liverpool in 1960 according to wikipedia there um maybe the measure i'm thinking of is their uh creative high point Mm-hmm. where all of the songs they were writing were really strong, strong enough to be recorded, put on albums and circulated. Uh, and Yeah, they're not like, you know, I'm uh, just off entirely off the top of my head, like U2, where you go from like, you know, I guess you could say from like Unforgettable Fire through like Octung Baby, where, I mean, even that's only, I suppose, like seven. No, that's probably like eight or nine years. Uh, no well, clue. Pumpkins, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, the pumpkins don't three have. records. No, no, yeah. well, I, I was going to say in Billy's defense that they probably, if you counted Gish through a door, mm-hmm. it's like six years. Yeah, and all he released an incredible no. amount of great music uh, in that period. I think it's like ninety two or maybe Gish 91 is like ninety one. Yeah, or no ninety six. It'd be so maybe five. No, a door was ninety eight. So I'd say yeah, a good yeah. eight years they had. Yeah, and Adore is, um, as one person on Netforia put it, <laughs> sort of a great band coming down the other side of the mountain, but still at such a high elevation, although past <laughs> the best part, but still very high up in the quality, but you can kind of see that this, the trajectory has changed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Well, yeah. I think the other thing, too, you know, the thing that came to mind about the Pumpkins is that post-Melancholy, they also had a lot of gossip going for mm. them there was also a lot of news so even if they were starting on the down slope there were drug scandals yeah. and people getting kicked out Someone and died. darcy wearing a transparent top in the uh time before internet or early internet where um maybe if you wanted to see breasts you had to go through much greater effort especially as a 16 well, I was year old thinking like pre sort of like when that became the norm for pop stars practically or the norm for mtv like yeah. i guess at that time it was still a little scandalous right. for mtv yeah. where you go fast forward five years and it was like I the know. norm for the mtv music awards for someone to show up and to be a little bit more contemporary for a second have you so i listened to how careful should we be about like brand names like i mean I you can like say if I anything. If I don't catch myself, I will say Pitchfork a hundred times. <laughs> you can talk about Pitchfork. I mean, you can talk about Pitchfork. There's okay, not like I'll try not. It's not only like slandering Pitchfork. I think it's more about if we ever actually had ads, then yeah, you want to be like you don't necessarily want to be uh, talking about brands if they're not paying you. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I think true, that's yeah. what but most also, podcasters yeah, do. Anybody who was listening to this might think, boy. Uh, Pitchfork reader Nathaniel Addison. (laughs) 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 Well, no, but if you just position it, I think instead as, you know, they're a major, like, they're a major sort of musical uh, force isn't the right word, but like presence, I guess, in the musical media media, landscape. 
So, okay, I listen to uh, the Pitchfork Spotify list every week, as I've said a hundred times, and I... I don't really listen to that. I should. I like it. It's a lot of hip-hop. It is... Well, yeah. Like, I think they put on 20 to 25, tr- 20 to 30 tracks, and you can bet that um, 80% of them, 70 to 80% will be hip-hop. Okay. Anyways, there is a uh, artist who goes by Cupcake... I think I know this, yeah. She is one of these very dirty rappers. <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, "Is she dirty? You want to talk your about vir- your virgin norm? ears?" <laughs> it's, uh, it makes me feel so old, and I, I just don't know where you draw the line on these things. But she said something on the t- in a song that was on their list this week, and I was just like, I gagged. <laughs> she said. What did you say? Come on. I can't even say it. Well, it's just so tell us. We can... <laughs> oh, is it inappropriate <laughs> for the internet? <laughs> Don't say I it. I guess that's a real question. Is that a real uh, question? Is this is this a G-rated PG or is this uh yeah, is this uh, now rated? I'm sorry. I'm do we have to I'm do you have to get this do you, does Apple is Apple going to uh, put the explicit tag on this? Yes. I'm so Is that a good thing or I'm bad? I'm so thing? curious now. It's been too hyped up. Whatever, you know what? My guarantee is whatever it is she said, we don't want to hear Nathaniel say yeah. it. <laughs> no, I You'll really do. Look like you. Why did you bring that up? <laughs> now I want to hear Nat quote it. Yeah, wrap it. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that can be a segment. Nat, Nat, raps. N- N- Nat raps. Nathan- raps. No, 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 no. Just Nathaniel Addison quotes rap lyrics. <laughs> and I'm disgusted and gagging while I'm doing it. <laughs> This is the uh, Rolling Stone issue 823, October 14th, 1999. Oh, boy. Oh, 99. Yeah. The end of the millennium. This is, in my opinion, one of the worst eras of music it was all of our last years in high school and music was horrible i really hated everything (laughs) i was really into just like skate punk and things like that at the time uh and i've always liked pop music or things that are on the radio but this was the moment where i mean after that summer like grade 12 summer into this year was just horrific and there's a lot of that in this issue uh that you'll see apparent um, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about the fact that Trent Reznor is on the cover here looking. It looks like, um, <laughs> well, this is something, okay. This is something you and I were talking about before, beforehand about, uh, um, he looks, he's, he's posing. He's a handsome dude on this cover. Yeah. And, uh, it was that, is this, cause this is right before the fragile. So he's promoting the fragile. Right. And is this his coming out as like. A handsome dude after yeah, well, yeah. he's got a hair spiral. Yeah, he's looking very brooding. He's got like yeah. a tank top, black tank top. Now I know it's a chicken and egg thing, but he does look like the Garth Brooks alter ego Chris Gaines. <laughs> wow, good call. You know what? He's missing. <laughs> you, had a, you had a soul patch, and you've got Chris Gaines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so we'll have to post this for everybody to see in some capacity. But even the more <laughs> like if like even the photos inside too, like it's very very. Um, but I mean, a, it, it, a poster boy. I mean, is this? I mean, again, this is Pin-ups. a thing where That's I what think, we're talking about. yeah. And Goth John and pin-ups. I, 
uh, we had this quick conversation just before. Look at those piercing eyes. Mm. Oh my god, he's looking good. Who's who's taking these pictures? Mark Seliger. Oh, he was the best. Who's we'll have he? to come back. To, oh, okay, we'll come back to that later. Because there was a couple big. He guys. was the best in the nineties. Okay. Um, yeah, he's looking. Trent's just looking kind of wet here. Huh. <laughs> 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 I don't know what he's wearing, but obviously, I mean, this is you know. It's it's all promotional. I don't think Trent ever. I mean, no. I think he obviously had his image and everything. I don't think he was necessarily coming back. I mean, this is a Rolling well, Stone cover. Like, I mean, they pose him however they want. It's not exactly his choice. Although I know, well, he, I know he has obviously influenced. I think at this point he was big enough to kind of be able to say like, I want to. I, I would. I'll, like if you've think. seen anything about Nine Inch Nails from, uh, he doesn't like, look too uh, put out. About no, no. Before. Um, pretty hate machine or around that era you should have seen how they were dressing they were extremely image conscious like oh, well, for sure duran no, no, duran no. sort of well, oh yeah huge oh, oh, no, they were all no it's true like yeah. i mean when i i mean i haven't seen that much i wasn't but i remember like some of the videos from that era and oh yeah they definitely had a look but it was not this look no. it was not a look that was like here's my handsome face yeah well i would say it was it's a different look but it was he knew he was hot <laughs> i guess so this is our this is something we can consider um about trans hotness um <laughs> no i mean before i mean he had these this huge record was uh downward spiral in 1994 uh they were looking pretty scary uh him and like twiggy ramirez yeah, that and was all the that thing. they looked yeah, pretty scary cool. they were yeah. scary and threatening yeah but now yeah now, now we've got this one we've got this haircut with the the hair comb forward he's almost got a, a black hair version of like damon albarn's haircut here well actually and, well it's funny because actually that look on the front you really you kind of scoop that hair a bit mm-hmm. and you're getting into like 2000s emo right like late yeah, 2000s emo yeah. look right uh, so was trent hot was was were, did girls love him uh, oh i'm sure because i have no idea like was he market like was this like girls going like oh my god you Trent Reznor's so too hot. much like tiger beat sort of or like well obviously th- no it is true and sort of to what john was saying a minute ago you don't see him posing like this very often no period he's looking kind of humble here he's looking kind of like singer songwritery like sitting mm. in the leaves in the woods here like let's let's yeah. talk about feelings I liked the scary nine inch nails. I thought that yeah, was man. very cool. <laughs> it was amazing. That was yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Uh closer video. That was the closer uh, video, which I saw last night at the dance video nineties oh, video dance fantastic. party that I went to. I literally was transported back to yeah. much music video dance literally. grade nine. <laughs> They played. Should have done live reporting. Literally, Jackson live reporting. Yeah, '90s (laughs) video dance party. It was so good. Was Master T there? Yeah, he was there, (laughs) and Erica M or whoever, whoever was. I think Master T is still doing. Who was? Who were the big VJs in '94? Like was Rick Bill was Bill no, Wilichka no, before him? Uh, Rick no, the Temp was just that, around. He was he was around, but I think he was still because he started off on the country show. So I think by mm. in '94 he might have been around, but he still like was like had like the long ponytail yeah, yeah. and was just, uh, dressing in all denim and um, Michael uh, but Williams. There was, um, Ooh, I don't think he was still around. Michael Williams was pretty '80s. Steve Anthony. Yes. Steve Anthony was around. God, he was he was a handful, and of course. You know, uh, Monica Diol, who would yeah, host, well, yeah, she would just host uh, Electric Circus, Electric Circus with so. George Logan Genis. Oh, okay. Wow, <laughs> I could not wow. pull that name out. 
This goes. This is eighties. But do you remember they had like this crazy game show and they had a host that test pattern. Was it had a wheel? I think. Yeah. And the host was like a guy who I could probably best describe as John Candy with the perm. Yes. Sort of like a long. Sure. Uh, what was that guy's name? Does I can't know? remember, but he did pass away. Oh, yeah, he passed I away. I liked him a lot. He was a lot of like fun ten years ago kid. or he something like really that. Cool. No, I remember that was like a like a dinner time thing. I remember watching that at like six o'clock with my parents of watching yeah. Test Pattern. <laughs> I can't even remember what the concept of the show was, but it was a much music game show yeah, <laughs> hosted of... by. Come on, someone look it up. Test Pattern. So this is the thing. Uh, this is one right off the top this uh send us your mp3s i don't even know if i really knew what mp3 was in like oac sorry okay so uh, that would have been my senior year of high school and when did i actually well this is is october october 99 right oh sorry this would have been yeah this we would have graduated yeah this is university that's right okay Um, anyway but I i guess at this point Napster was out like I don't yeah. remember using Napster until like 2000 but I do remember I think it would have been sometime in 99 kind of my first exposure to like mp3s and I think it was a friend's older boyfriend telling me about a website where I could like download slow dive mp3s <laughs> and I was wow. like what you can just go to a website and like a download music. No, like a website, like it was like a slow dive fan website. Yes. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. they just happened to have some MP3s or something. I don't think it was an official website. Geo I think it's just probably. a fan. Yeah, probably Whoa. something like that. And I think they had some stuff, but it was just, I think that was, that was kind of the first, my first memory of MP3s on the internet. Yeah. Yes, I um, do remember some sites like that. I'm curious. So this, where it says that? Okay, so it says this one is the, like, this is probably a good, I mean, MP3s, I think, were, I mean, there's obviously a long history in MP3. They were actually invented in the 80s, I think. But, you know, when they actually started appearing on the internet and you could just get these things, I'm thinking I was about 18 when I first saw it and, like, first went onto a site and my friend showed me. I think he just typed it in. Uh, He obviously knew the name MP3. And then just typed it in, and then we just went through a site of just lists and just picking out random songs. And he's like, and you can get these. And I didn't even understand (laughs) how that worked. (laughs) He was like, these are there, and then I can just put them on my computer somehow. So this one is, now this is, you know, they're they're starting to get cool. and uh, I'm curious to see how they want you to send it to them, because the funny thing is that back in 99, it, would, it was not that easy to no like, to do anything that, to send it to Rolling Stone. I wonder because well, no, but I think it was uploading it an email. No, okay, uploading so, to their website. I so think is I'll what read this. Saying. It says, "Send us your MP3." This is a really small little paragraph on a sidebar, too. By the way, it says, "Upload your own songs, photo, and bio in our MP3 and more section." Every two weeks, the Rolling Stone music editors choose ten promising new tracks from our ever-expanding collection. Download tracks by established artists like Tori Amos, Blinker the Star, and the Verb Vibe. Oh, yes. That's kind of, so I kind of, <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about the MP3s, but I also wanted to mention that, how did Blinker the Star, they they paid to get that that shout out. I mean, that who were they? Well, they were, I mean, they were, I mean they were, it's um, obvious that like they wouldn't have been 
yeah, like that's a promo thing. Mm-hmm. Like Rolling Stone wouldn't have been putting hosting their MP3s and distributing it without. Uh, yeah. Although it's interesting that like there must have been. I mean, if we assume that it was a promo thing uh, through the record label, then this is sort of. Napster, October 99, Napster exists, but there isn't the panic yet. But someone at a record label is like, oh, maybe we should like put MP3s up and people can download these songs. Yeah. Which when you think back, you know, the you always think of the record labels at that point as being digitally clueless. Yeah. Was someone not? I mean, this Was is someone not digitally clueless. That's a good that's a really good point. And I mean, this is obviously Rolling Stone too, just trying to find content and like think it's cool to like, this new revolution of MP3 to put up, and sort of just. I mean, this is a uh, this is early, you know, just like um, what am I trying to say? Uh, content, uh, you know, like content writing. It's like, oh, like we can get bands to just like put their stuff up, and then we can just have content and their songs. And I mean, it's good for them and it's good for us. Well, it's even kind of slightly fascinating that you know this sidebar on a page of the magazine just says rollingstone.com and it's still it's still when the website is like in addition to the magazine it's sure. like a um not a bonus thing but you know what i mean yeah, whereas well, now I mean, it's like yeah. now it's like print versions are you know almost secondary to online versions I mean, of anything the print version of rolling stone now is I don't even know why they're still printing. If you go, I mean, not to slag them, but I mean, it's, it is what it is. Everything's online. Everybody that's uh, most magazines, music magazines have already uh, gone, you know, spin magazines way gone. It's only online. And when you go and see those, those Rolling Stones, they're just hanging on because they're this legacy uh, magazine. It is, I'd say like 30 pages. It's like a pamphlet It's really (laughs) thin. (laughs) There's nothing in it. And so getting on the cover now, I'm like, who cares? It doesn't mean anything. Do they anymore. put new bands on the cover, or do yeah. they? Well, they've always put huge people. I think the person on it this month, I actually just looked, and it's Zoe Kravitz. Oh, so yeah. something like that. I mean, no one got on Rolling Stone for the most part without being gigantic. Yeah. But they always had, well, at least as far as I can remember, back to the '90s. I can't really speak for earlier than that, but they always had like actors and other people right, of like course. it was never just musicians no that's true yeah you know. no and they had yeah it would be actors david letterman always seemed to be on the cover oh, yeah. they really liked him in the 90s seinfeld that was one i had yeah, seinfeld yeah. dressed as elvis yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah uh so yeah i wanted to just i guess no i wanted to touch more on like when when were you starting to get mp3s because i really Okay, I didn't really have a computer of my own until university. I had the computer in our house, and I don't even know what the capabilities. Like, well, you guys were way more into computers than I was, but I didn't really start downloading until I got a really good internet connection in my dorm room and got Napster. Yeah, 99, I wonder, would have been approximately when cable connections Oh, yeah, for sure. Us. 98. I my friends at Mac had were downloading at a much greater rate than what I was. Right. Uh, it, it, was, it wasn't really fun to get into. Like, you couldn't, you certainly couldn't stream it. You couldn't click it and listen to it as it was coming. There was this, do you guys remember Real Player? No. Uh, w- w- wait, you don't remember Real Player? <laughs> I mean, it's... Real Player was 
that was that opened my brain. Real Player was the first time I ever watched Daily Show. Oh. It was like because the because there was like a deal between before comedy um, the Comedy Network started in Canada. Um, there I guess like the Real Player had like content deals. So you download the Real Player and you could watch like postage sized <laughs> yeah. postage stamp sized clips of the Real Player <laughs> um, of uh, Daily Show hosted by. Craig, Craig Kilborn. Oh, when he had like yeah. the Craig Kilborn show. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, now John Stewart's doing it. No, oh, no, 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 because no. he was the first. Craig Craig Kilborn was the first host of the Daily Show. Oh wow! And then he got his own show, like his yeah. late night show. Well, he got his late night show long after. I don't think he went directly from. Oh, okay. Daily I don't show know. To that. I have no idea. Oh, I okay. This is sounding vaguely familiar, but. I'm not sure. I mean, again, this is a long time ago, and we've gone through so many different formats of like well, yeah. these video players that I'm sure I saw this was in, when I was 19. But it streamed audio and video, and I bring it up because uh, when I had a 56k modem, if you're like, oh, a new album is streaming, and it, it was, I just remember it being so frustrating and unreliable, and uh, the posted sized uh, video you could watch, which is constantly being interrupted and it was, it uh. was so not satisfying <laughs> uh, so it really was nothing in a lot of like i mean you could uh there's a guy at my school who would uh make cds for people ian well <laughs> i guess his name is really not important <laughs> ian yes ian and uh he would get them off fdp oh wow and you yeah, would just okay. download them and they would be there the next day but it wasn't it has come so far, and it's, it's very interesting to see how long it took, but how I feel like digital media has really settled into its comfort zone now, and mm -hmm. it is what people expect it to be. It's an on-demand, on-tap, living-in-the-cloud thing that lives with almost all media, sort uh -huh. of on one thing, and you just click on it when you want it, and it's your computer is connected directly to your stereo uh, or your, uh, your Chromecast into your screen, and uh, it's just all it been integrated quite nicely and it took and thinking about how these when you're talking about content creation the person who was working for rolling stones who was probably thinking you can you can just have people upload material it was it was a lot of experimenting and just yeah. having no clue really what is what is this useful for yeah at this point and it's taken a long time when you and, think about it and to bring it back to that just talking about this upload your own songs when did it actually become easy to like do that sort of thing now john and i like i'm thinking just in this term just putting uh i don't know uploading a song maybe onto like myspace or something like that but at this point uploading your own music if you had a band how much more difficult it was to record a band you couldn't just do it at your house you had to at least have some some, some sort of stereo then you had to put it in a digital file somehow and then you had to send it to them that is hard like only like there's not a lot of indie bands who were doing that well you could you I could mean, i sort of did okay i didn't upload it anywhere but i mean like you know when um i was renting like eight track machines like you could just rent rent a four track or an eight track from a music store <laughs> record something and then if you just had a uh, the right cable or the right sound card for your computer oh my god sound cards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like having flashbacks as i'm talking um the right sound card for your computer and the right cable you know you could uh just press play and press record and 
download um you get get a hold of oh cool edit cool edit 96 okay. <laughs> wow okay that was the that was my first wave editor which was eventually bought by adobe and is now adobe audition oh, okay still exists kind of crazy um but it was possible if you really uh tried it now i mean i guess mp3s at the time there was probably encoders you could download there's kind of mm-hmm. i think always been kind of free encoders i mean this would have been pre itunes mm-hmm. um i mean it was possible if you really it was pretty I sophisticated guess, yeah it well, was sophisticated, I mean, sophisticated but, but I mean, anything but obviously could yeah, be Yeah, I mean, done. you had to have a bit of computer savvy. Yeah. Like, if right. you weren't computer savvy, you weren't going to do it. But GarageBand was a real revolution in that regard, I think, where it was sort of the lost art of the four-track versus something that's going to auto-align your tempo and basically just hit the space bar on your computer in a, pre, in a, a pre-loaded app on your uh, computer. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is that well, but no, I yeah, think. I mean, I think also like I mean, I guess it depends on. Um. Well, I don't want to say class or income, but like, you know, <laughs> depending. Well, no, but okay. What I'm trying to say. Infowars. Uh oh. <laughs> I guess it depends partly too on. I mentioned being computer savvy, but also because prior to GarageBand, there was Pro Tools. And you could spend, you know, $500 on, like, um, a box that you could hook up to your computer and it would give you Pro Tools. Mm. And, you know, that's not cheap, but it's also not expensive. Right. Right? So there is sort of that middle, like, there was different tiers. There was sort of the... um, You go from the studio to kind of a sub $1,000 kind of consumer slash prosumer price where if you're an enthusiast, you'll spend the money mm-hmm. and then, yeah, then you get into the garage band. It's simply free. It's there. And so I think there was probably enough people like even indie bands who were, who were making that investment in equipment to be able to do it. But to your point, I do remember reading an article, um, uh, about oh i mean this would be a much better story if i could remember the artist i do not but it was a young kind of producer who was he was working with a bunch of people including like kendrick lamar and well i forget his name um in the article it talked about him just you know having a guitar and sitting in the studio and garage band on his phone because that's the other tiers. There was GarageBand on the computers, mm-hmm. and then there was GarageBand on phones. And they were just telling this quick anecdote about him just kind of like sitting in the studio and just like plugging his guitar into his phone on, and then recording a little riff on his phone and like coming into the studio and having like riffs on his phone and, yeah. and then just like awesome. going from there. And like, yeah. Well, um, back in uh, sort of the era uh, of the, what was the one that you said from the 90s? Uh, cool Edit. Was that oh, it? Oh, yeah. Uh, it wasn't the only one, but that was the first one I remember. Recording another sort of like prohibitive uh, part of that era that we don't think about anymore is that recording into as a wave, a song is going to be like, like four minutes is going to be like a gig probably. If you're Well, not that bar, but it was large. No, I mean, it was basically like, 
CDs. Maybe so 100 megs. No, CDs, it was about, because you could do about 70 minutes for about 700 megabytes or something. Okay. So oh, it was sure. like maybe yeah. like, you know, a, a, a single three or four minute song would be like 100 or 200 megabytes or 100 megabytes. So. Uh, but back then, try handling a 100 megabyte file with almost anything. It was like, right. you'd have to have a nice system. Well, yeah, that's and that's why MP3 was a massive tier. That's why mass M- MP3 opened yeah. so many things up because you couldn't upload a WAV file. Even if you yeah. could, like, prior to MP3, even if you had the equipment at home to record a WAV file, like, the internet at the time, it would have taken you hours to, like, dial it up, like, dial up modem, send your wave to, right. you know. And as we all know, uh, Neil Young perfected the format with Pono, yeah. which we're still <laughs> all just soaking in. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Neil. It's, uh, we love you, Neil. I know. <laughs> if you're listening. Well, yeah. <laughs> which which you, you are. Which you definitely are. But no, I but think Neil, well, you know Neil what, just over... Yeah. I was going to say... With that, I always say Neil overestimated the uh, the value people put on actual like how things sound because most kids could just listen to it on their phone and yeah. not give a shit. But, but <laughs> like, if his, you wanted to, like, but in his yeah. in his defense, like you go back to the late nineties, you go back to nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. MP threes are um, proliferating, and they sound like garbage. Yeah, and I can imagine that like. If you're um, a pro or something, or if you spent, you've recorded an album and you've spent a lot of time mixing it, you've spent however many tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in a studio to record this thing, and then it, it's like one thing because mm-hmm. I know he, uh, uh, Neil Young didn't even like CDs. I don't think because even they no. cut the audio quality down from like sure analog, uh-huh. but it was a small cut but then you go further down into like you know 128 kilobytes per second mp3 and the symbols sound like they're water and mm-hmm. like yeah. um yeah. and i could imagine like just being aghast <laughs> at like yeah this is no, that you know suck. that's true i guess when we look at it from that perspective <laughs> but okay so <clears throat> i want to rein this in a little um <laughs> No, just because this particular page is awesome. So on one side, like we've been talking about um, all this thing with MP3 revolution. And, you know, there's this sidebar for rollingstone.com. They've got one thing that says, like, download your favorite rocker. These, you know, things you can download photos and stuff like that. I mean, this is at the point when you had to, like, still do that. And, oh, oh, Rolling Stone using the term rocker. Yeah, of course. Oh, God. They still, they they probably invented that and they still, they still use it. Um and then there's oh yeah he's he's looking good there yeah he looks exactly the same that guy's never done drugs or drank that's why he looks amazing because Um, of scientology oh anyways jackson you were saying (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay so i wanted to talk about this page where you talk about this uh there's a download feature on this rolling stone sidebar rollingstone.com and then there's this thing we talked about send us your mp3s and then down at the bottom this this little article is uh, the industry section, it's saying. 
and it says, get ready to pay more for CDs. Oh, wow. <laughs> First line. <laughs> Universal <laughs> Music Group, the world's largest record company, has informed retailers this month that the list price for several dozen catalog titles, such as Bob Marley's Legends and the Bee Gees Greatest Hits, will jump to eighteen ninety eight. And so basically, US. yeah, U.S. <laughs> at Best Buy. Um, uh, but uh, this this little blurb, I mean, it's a you know about five five paragraphs or something like that. Uh, pretty much goes on to say because those artists have never stopped selling. These are artists from the '70s, and they've just continued to sell well. Then why don't we just put the price up a little bit? Because they're honestly saying, why should Bob Marley be? you know, subjected to selling his music, even though he's dead at $11 when he could be making $18 and everybody's just going to pay that anyways, because who's going to care about a dollar increase in uh, in a CD. And it's literally on the same page as his MP3 download. And I was literally what we were just talking about thinking, this is the month I discovered Napster. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they're like, who who yeah. won't mind paying a dollar more for CDs? Just a, I, all I can imagine is like a cigar chomping, like dollar bill burning, like <laughs> fat cat. Just like it'll never end. It'll never <laughs> end. <laughs> it'll never end. <laughs> We're on a rocket exactly. ship to, to to the moon right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take Sherlock to connect these two adjacent <laughs> statements. Like, is although this you know what, it's it would be interesting to know. If there was like anyone, anyone in the music industry who was like sitting there going, like seeing what was coming and being like, we have got to make as much money as we can now because it's going to crash soon. I'd be shocked if there was someone who was actually saying that. Yeah. But, uh, and I mean, the 90s, when you look at it, and I've heard this so many times from industry and bands, and they've said they were so flush with cash in the 90s because of exactly this that CDs took over so everybody re- replaced their you know their uh, analog and tapes and vinyl with CDs but also they were also making new CDs so they had this double income coming in and record labels were so rich and that's why you have all these incredible stories from bands about like these lavish parties they went to and everything because they were soaked with cash and then all of a sudden it just dropped at the end of the 90s when they discovered the internet and mp3s and it just became free it also be interesting to kind of you know, if there was a way to see an analysis of like how timing and generations played into that, because right. it, you know, when you mention um, uh, people replacing, like replacing their record collection with a CD collection, but there was also, you know, like we were, we were teenagers in the nineties and, you know, how many CDs did we each buy? that weren't current because mm-hmm. we were discovering these old bands for the first time. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that thing kind of compounds, compounds over time where it's like every, you know, 10 years or however long you've got new, like a new generation, new kids discovering old acts and wanting to buy their records. I yeah. mean, we were kind of the last teenagers sure, who sort of did that because then, you know, after, you know, when you get into our 20s, hey, you want the entire Beatles discography? Just go to Kazaa. Yeah. Like Soul Seek. Oh, yeah. Soul Seek is the best one. That's not to say Limewire. that no one did buy those records at the time. But sure. But it, you know, 
um, and how many people, how many people kind of looked and were like, well, you know, I want to get into the Beatles and don't they have enough money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying I felt that way. I'm not yeah. saying I felt that way, but there was also, I think there was, you know, there was kind of a view of like, uh, some of these older acts that that um, public domain. Well, yeah, public domain. Well, not, not yeah, public domain, but but, but also way. feeling it's sort of like yeah, download. like you know, you've already made your money, yeah. so I'm just Sir gonna Paul. you know. <laughs> we love you, Sir Paul. Yeah, I do. Come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're invited. No, <laughs> you have a standing invitation to come to Etobicoke, Ontario. Uh, <laughs> I think I see him outside. Yeah. Is that him? He's just crossing the street. Yeah. He's getting to his car. He's in a Ford Escort. <laughs> He's trying to look inconspicuous. Uh, okay. So there's a whole section in the back um, later on in the issue, uh, Digital Etc., which is just like a, f- a handful of pages dedicated. Well, no, literally one page. Okay. Dedicated <laughs> to just like video games and other things but there's a one of the first headlines is the first mp3 bust oh. a university of oregon student is convicted for trading music and software and uh it's a guy by the name of jeffrey levy and Contact i guess that guy yeah let's was, call him up <laughs> he was uh I don't know if he was charged or oh he pled guilty pleaded guilty to uh, felony charges of criminal copyright. The reason Levy had posted and traded pirated MP3 music files, game software, and files to the university's internet server. Huh. It so really sucks to be the people who took the hit uh, when the record companies were sort of making their first round of threats. Yeah. Because that is so... Everybody was trading them. And to be the person that got... That uh, gets busted. Oh, God. Because those are really giant crap. I bet it was like... At least thirty grand that he got charged. I'll bet. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, it's kind of incredible reading that though, because like, as I think, I think you said earlier, Napster, Napster was kind of created, released in, was in June, June of this year. Yeah, June. So it was already out. Yet I don't know if there's any reference to it at all. Like no. it's just, it's like this specter. I feel like of, it was very small. I, th- I. You know, I certainly can't attribute this like as an absolute, but you know, the fact that it was created in June, it had a summer where, you know, who's doing whatever in the summer. And as soon as you're back to school, then you sort of discover this. And it all of a sudden had this entire generation of kids going back to like going to first year university, having an awesome network, (laughs) probably maybe for the first time. You had like dial up or something at your house, and then you came with this incredible land speed or whatever the hell it is, and all of a sudden someone discovered Napster and it just took off. So I feel like it was maybe this sort of a, uh, you know, internet nerd thing over the summer, like people knew about this stuff, and then all of a sudden it just came to like a mass of students yeah. who just like discovered this thing that you could just download music. And I remember seeing that for the first time. I went to this girl; she lived across the hall from me. I went into her room and she said, 
yeah, look at this. This is, I'm getting music right now. And she's showing me, she's like, see these little bars? Like, this one's like half done. This one's starting. I, I didn't even know what that meant. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't get what this program is. But she's like, just download this and you can you can get music off of. You just start typing stuff in. Yeah. And then I just went, like, for a kid who was really, really into music, <laughs> all of a sudden, they're just like, here's this free program. Get whatever you want. Just go for it. You want to talk about confused. <laughs> when I was so probably around 96, 97, so I was like 16, uh, I got an AOL starter kit, but I did not have the internet. Okay. But I thought that the internet was on that disc. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like I'm going to get online, put this into my CD tray, and then I was like, I, but I do think that was where I maybe woke up to, oh, it's sort of... Like, I have to leave my computer. Because I remember the AOL was sort of set up like um, an amusement park. Like, as in, you installed the free trial, and uh. then the interface sort of treated it like you were at this amusement park. So you, And it was very clear to me that I couldn't go through the gate <laughs> the amusement <laughs> park without sort of, like, connecting with a, a broader world. I was very disappointed at the I time. I see. So on top of all that, so we've got, you know, uh, price of CDs, articles talking about like piracy that don't even mention Napster. Uh And finally, there's an ad in the middle of the issue. The mp3.com music and technology tour presents the Goo Goo Dolls with special guests tonic. And it's all tours. Well, it's all tours of universities. Right. Uh, throughout the U.S. And, you know, yeah, so it's a tour uh, sponsored by mp3.com, a company that would itself be obliterated by mm. record label lawsuits within right. like two years after this. For sure. And what were you saying mp3.com kind of set up its model well, as, Well, I, I think the thing, it, uh, my recollection was that it had tried to do a feature where you could upload your music collection and then it would be on their server and then you could listen to it from any computer. And that was officially what they got sued for because even though they were trying to say, well, you're not sharing it with anyone, it was still officially copying it like a digital copy. Right. And I remember when Apple released their iTunes match feature, which basically would um scan your your iTunes library match it to whatever they had in the store and then you could uh just download your collection mm. from wherever and when it does that i think if it finds mp3s that it doesn't have in the store it uploads them to its servers right so it effectively does what mp3 got sued for doing mm. in like 2001 2002 okay um, which I mean, when that, when I kind of noticed that it just seemed like a funny, well, it's not funny, but it's just over time how, um, I lost that. times change. It's remind sounds like the, uh, same argument about, uh, legalizing cannabis and then saying all the people who are in jail yeah. for selling it. And even though it's not a perfect correlation, 
Well, right. actually, no, that is a good thing to bring up. It is kind of similar how, you know, eventually something gets legalized or something. It's or fine like, now that or we the, Yeah, the companies, yeah. or the companies figure out how to make money off of it. And, yeah. Uh, um, well, yeah, I mean, it, you, you see the evolution of like, I mean, it's like anything. You just try to fight it and fight it and fight it until you realize it's just not going away and it's way out of your control now. Mm. Uh, but by that point, it's too late. You should have seen the writing on the wall with MP3s and you should have immediately started some sort of digital group at your label and be like, okay, this is what we got to focus on because this isn't going away. And if we can like harness this and then we're going to, we're going to use it to our advantage. But people didn't think that they, they thought they could just shut this down which was the dumbest idea in the entire world. Uh, Blockbuster famously had the opportunity to buy Netflix. And it's oh, like, oh, yeah. We'll <laughs> For sure, yeah. But they wish they could have uh, had a, a I mean, mulligan on that decision. Oh, my God. Um, and then with... Um, like, did you... I read this book, too, about... Uh, essentially about MP3s. So it was in three different sections. One about the guys who invented the MP3. One about this guy who... Um, was a uh, I'll think of his name in a second, but uh, he was a huge music mogul, and he was the guy who actually started like um, uh, trying to harness them and do stuff with them in the two thousands. And the third one was the guy who was the bootlegger who worked at the Polygram factory where they pressed all the CDs. And when you think of this whole thing about Napster and that it's file sharing and everybody's just like uploading their own stuff and it's just this trading thing. Number one, have you ever uploaded music? Have you ever put that on? I've never uploaded a song or anything. Not knowingly, but I yeah. was surprised to see that uh, for every, as long as my, how much should we say? <laughs> uh, when my, God, what is the software that I, Azuris or Views, I think it's called Views and it's, uh, I open it. It's like, oh, I've been seeding my collection oh, yeah. without knowing it for six months. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what? I mean, there's that. But the point I was going to make was that this guy who was this bootlegger, the reason they put him in this book is that there's this notion that everybody is sort of just sharing files and like putting these things on and someone got a hold of a record and just put it on when really it was literally this one guy. <laughs> he worked at the pressing plant and he had to deal with these other, uh, you know, like dark internet people uh, where he would kind of put the album up and then in turn he would get um, movies that people had bootlegged and then he was selling those. That's what his business was. He literally, when they named the stuff, every single gigantic record, he had it down to a science uh, when he would take it, when he would put online. He uploaded like a thousand records or wow. something like that. What like, a hero. Like 90% of everything that was on the internet that everybody was downloading was literally this one dude who was stealing it from the Polygram factory. Uh, he's the guy that uh, mistitled Bullet with Butterfly Wings, World is a Vampire. <laughs> yeah. For say. a whole generation of people to be confused by. <laughs> I know my, f my former roommate had like, um, uh, she knew a guy once that like seemed to just have like w for a period of time was her source of mp3s and music mm. it was just like oh yeah he's new he just posted the new thing or something and it was yeah it was we, like, they, we used to say on the message board where's the leak so if you knew it was like uh you knew this the album was done and just hadn't been released the message board would be just like 
buzzing. People like, where's the leak? And then everybody would start posting pictures of leaks and spelling it L-E-E-K. This is uh, oh, wow. very cool okay. on the message boards. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> where's <laughs> the leak? Shout out to Net for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the middle, you know, in 1999, I mean, of course, this this makes sense, but we still have the free, you know, 12 CDs for a penny kind of thing. But this isn't even Columbia House. This is something I've never even heard of, which is Yeah, well, it's not Columbia House because it's, it's only 12 CDs for the price of one. Oh, that's which what it that's, is? I mean, that's oh. a ripoff next oh, to Columbia yeah, House. No There's no way I'm paying full price for, for Godsmack here or, or Lit or the Go soundtrack, <laughs> which I listened to a lot of in university. This is, you know what's funny? Is that we, this is the moment when we had all this access to this free music and we hung out in this one person's room all the time who just had the Go soundtrack <laughs> and we just listened to it over and over again. Every one of us had CDs. We had downloadable stuff. Just kept listening to the Go soundtrack. The times. Why was, um, I mean, I think back to this time and I think back to bands that, you know, by the summer of 2000, like, if I heard of a band and I was like, oh, I want to listen to them. Like I went to Napster and was actually like active, like my brain was already reset like right. a year, not even a year after this, that it was like, oh, I want to, I've never heard that band go to Napster. Yeah. Or I think Napster was still around sure. a year after this. Oh, but, for sure. Um, I think it had a good two year run. Um, And think of like how much work that is now. Like, now you just go to YouTube. Now you just type yeah. in anything into Google and it immediately appears and you listen yeah. to it in one second. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, think of how yeah. instant that used to be downloading something, which may have taken an hour <laughs> like, to get one song or something. But and also now, ads now. Also, even YouTube, if you let well, it play. sure. But it is not hard to get a student account on, oh. <laughs> wow. on Spotify. Hush, hush there, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a, the on the road section. We, <laughs> this has got to be the worst tour <laughs> that I've never. This is going back to like me saying I thought this was like just the worst era in music, ninety eight, ninety nine. It was terrible. Here is a tour with Lenny Kravitz and Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing I can't really figure out from this little blurb is it says after the embarrassing flop of nineteen ninety five Circus, Lenny Kravitz has rebounded by setting up camp in Billboard's top 50 for more than a year. So he had this, you know, big record with, you know, American woman and whatever the hell on it. Um, <laughs> but he says, uh, I think this is a, there's a quote from Steve Hardwell of Smash Mouth. He seems like a fucking cool man. That's his quote. Um, like about <laughs> Kravitz? About Kravitz. So insightful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Steve Hardwell of uh, Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth, uh, Smash Mouth, whose hit All Star might be the hottest song of the summer. He's letting us do our thing. These are quotes. He's letting us do our thing, which is laying down the jam. And I'm thinking, is there, I don't get what that's supposed to be. Like Lenny Kravitz is letting his, them do what they it want on like tour or are they locker like a room you know when they interview uh 
after the game going into the, like <laughs> we need a, to hustle harder you yeah, know exactly. activate the d and uh yeah well you know we're gonna jump up uh, in the offense we did everything and, we could uh, uh but in the end uh just <laughs> we're just gonna have to hustle a bit harder it's <laughs> so generic well of course because sorry he said do our thing like the jam or what, yeah sorry, what he's letting again? us do our thing which is laying down the jam okay it, yeah see uh smash mouth especially uh-huh. at that time i 100 percent believe that they were laying down the jams <laughs> that they were like in the studio writing their songs being like this is a jam there's another jam yeah. guys we are laying down the jams right now that but, is what we do yeah and especially like in 99 when all-star just came out they probably really felt like they were the jamminest like oh, this is the new stairway geez. to heaven oh my god <laughs> this is just the lowest point in music well you um, know I, I mean just because this is something other people will listen to i'm compelled to say if I wrote a smash pop hit, I'd be pretty proud of myself. And I would sure. definitely have no problem collecting all those paychecks. But it is a pop song. Well, and it is, I haven't heard them do anything else. I think <laughs> no. they had two songs. They had two songs in a cover. I mean, two yeah. songs on the radio that I can you remember. You remember a third one? They did well, the there's I'm All Star and there's Walking on the yeah, Sun. Yeah, Walking on the Sun. And then they did the cover of... The Monkees, I'm a Believer. Yeah. Oh, that's I forgot right. that one. Oh, how, how could you, John? Well, do you know what? Sorry, mandatory you know what? I, had, dare I remembered two Smash Mouth songs. I am not going to <laughs> well, show any shame um, for not remembering the third. Because it came up on its own, uh, there is a, a pumpkin's tie back here because <laughs> recently there was a, a feud between... It was mainly a fan-stoked feud, but Billy had a song called Untitled, which was the last song the Pumpkins released, and he said that it was. they asked, the producer of Shrek asked to play it over the credits, and then Smash Mouth said, no, they wanted our cover of I'm a Believer over the credits all along. They never spoke to the Pumpkins, and then Billy <laughs> was all, well, that's what he says, and I'm telling the truth, <laughs> and then... Uh, because they had done, I guess it was Shrek 2 that yeah. All Star kind of was the smash hit and from. Was, okay, was this a, this was a recent story this you just a told? a recent story, yeah. How is this a recent story? How is there, how did this even come about in any, it was a, it was a tweet, I'm sure. Uh, well, no. um, I'd say, because is there, is there anyone in rock who's better at holding a grudge and never <laughs> forgetting the smallest slight against him. Yes, and reminding people of uh, how popular than Mr. Corgan. Then yes, of, of the peaks of their popularity. Yes, I. He's been uh, taking to Instagram a lot and answering fan questions. It came up that way. Oh, that's right. And it was amazing. Um, he alluded to how uh, media troll those, and I thought he was really just blowing smoke up his ass, his own ass, about like thinking anybody cared about these. But I did, and in really lousy media outlets, like uh, uh, on a website, the cat, cat video, cat, cat magazine. <laughs> Pause, Chicago. <laughs> so this is what I wanted to, let's see. Okay. So okay. I think pretty much every time I got Rolling Stone, the first thing I did was go immediately to the back page and see what the charts were. And this is, this is just a, uh, again, I will say this for the fifth time, just a terrible era in music. (laughs) But, but having said that, the number one thing on the music, the billboard charts, my entire life has never been something that I've cared about. 
um, most of the time, it, it, in Rolling Stone, they never ever cover anything country. And when you go to the back, the number one person is always a country star. Hmm. It's their country is a huge genre. It's a huge seller. So, who do you think is number one in the charts? For context, go okay. Uh, can you lead us up to number one so that it'll give us an idea? Or maybe the top five? I could. Sorry, John. I, I was just going to ask if these are singles, albums. Mm. This is albums. Albums. This is okay. albums. You gave us a pretty big hint with so what you just said. I do, like, I do like Nathaniel's idea. Mm. Count yeah. out from five. Okay, I can do that. And I mean, there's all these other great things here that are kind of irrelevant. Like, I don't think they... It was just kind of content and showing, like, because they had to put the top 50 albums every time... You know, here's some other stuff. Uh, so they had like the college albums. I mean, I don't even know. Copy. This is for the CMJ Music Report, I guess. Put this out for college. Matcha is number one. I have no idea who that is. Number two, Guided by Voices, one of their 50 mm. albums. Do uh, <laughs> the collapse. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then they've got a bunch of others, but. Okay, so we'll do. Uh, and, and sorry for okay. more context. Can yeah. you remind us the month and year? That's yes, ninety nine. But okay, month? October nineteen ninety nine. Oh Think gosh. back to your life in October. So 1999. I was working at Zeller's in the electronics department. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I I sold a lot of top top forty CDs. I was not doing work at school. I was just downloading alternative records. I think <laughs> that I must have been working for a town of Dundas. On the works crew at that time, Although, that's hard to remember. Or, or I was working at Toys R Us. Was that your day? Was that your days at the city? Oh yes. <laughs> okay. <That's> the town. <laughs> oh, the town. <laughs> okay, so one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so I can do five. I mean, I'd love to do all of these. There's a ton of great, great names on here. I'll just read them then. Uh, but uh, okay, I'll do the top five. So we've got from five. Up? From five. Okay. Number five, Mary J. Blige. Mary. Okay. 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 Number four. Ooh, still kicking it. I mean, I this was a this was a solid uh six months on the charts at least, and probably more. Limp Biscuit, significant <laughs> other. I would have right. There goes my yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, what would it be the nineties without number three, Backstreet Boys, Millennium. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, Puff Daddy. Forever. Okay. Okay. So number one. Yeah. Given that list, how many? How long is it? Does it say how long it's been number one? Uh, <laughs> that was a good question. I think. Okay. This is. Uh, okay. The first. The first numeral indicates chart position. The week ending September eleventh. Uh, mm. The the second uh, chart position one week earlier. Uh, so I guess this one is one and one. I think this is. Uh, so, so this would debut at number one, I think, uh, first week on it. Okay, okay. Gosh. Well, um, uh, you did say that uh, it's always a country. I, it is album. not country in this. Okay, because I don't think I could name a single time. country album from So we've got era. Backstreet Boys. Okay. Um, I, I know my guess, but. Numbers. Uh, okay, I will give this. So we've got Backstreet Boys in this list. I started at number five with Mary J. Blige. Number six 
is Britney Spears. Oh, that's what uh, I was going to say. Uh, what okay. is the name of the album? Because I would not have known the album. Maybe one more time. Still, okay. this is still We're still on first album. I don't know what. First album, Britney. I thought yeah. about that one. I was going, I mean, In Sync came to mind, but I wasn't sure if that was a little too early for them really no, getting big. No, In Sync was, okay, they're on, actually, In Sync are at number 75 here. This should just be like a bingo game where we just. Or no, pick. they're at number 75. Oh, no, that no, sorry. That's not right. They're, at, they're in the 40s here somewhere. Oh, okay. But Insync was '90s, like they'd oh, already yeah, yeah, they'd I already know, come know, out at that point. I just wasn't sure if they'd reach the heights of number one. Oh, okay, okay. By like that time, I see. So if you're thinking along uh, the vein of the Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, Christina Aguilera, John, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yes. Uh, I don't remember the album name. No. It's called Christina Aguilera. Oh, you got it. <laughs> I should have just pretended like I <laughs> knew at that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these. Live and learn. Yeah, the InSync album is called InSync. <laughs> yeah. Well, these guys. I think I remember what that out. one looked like too. What's the point? Yeah. Oh, see Christina. a picture of Kid Rock. Oh yeah, Kid Rock. This is the Rolling Stone Reader's top twenty. Ooh. Oof. Oh wow, the top twenty <laughs> is bleak here. <laughs> <laughs> Numero uno, Lip Biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> Number two. This is a. This album was huge for a year, and I mean, still is. You can't get enough of this one. Californication. Um, And then number three, Kid Rock. Devil Without a Cause is the name of this record. Um, He's looking... Limp Biscuit uh, toured for Napster, or a Napster-sponsored tour. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. Just tie it back together. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, and it just... the, the. it's pretty much a mix of this is an odd mix. It's the the Rolling Stone readers, so it's like Santana, Backstreet Boys, Blink One Eight Two. Ooh, Limp. Santana with that oh, yeah. the smooth. Yeah. Oh yeah. I better believe I it. That. That's his first number one record. Rob yeah. yeah. That was a big hit. I I, I I can still listen to that song. I don't I don't mind that. I like Santana. I just like to listen to him play. It's a sexy song. Guy. What else is what <laughs> else is in the readers? The readers top, um, Blink One Eight Two, Enema of the State. Of course, God, those, guys. those guys had a knack for naming records. I'll tell you, that was fun. At least that album was fun. Of of all the stuff that's being named. Hey, uh, you know, okay, so I I liked Blink One Eight Two, and I hate to be the go like I liked them before, but I did. I they were <laughs> they were in that era of like that dude ranch, dorky, yeah, that you was, know. Uh, yeah, uh, skate punk thing, and they were a little more pop, but we were all listening to that. I mean, the people I hung out with who were into like some serious hardcore were also listening to Blink-182 at the time, and then they became huge, and then we all kind of ditched them. Shout out to Tom. Tom oh, yeah. and the aliens. Oh, yeah, where is he? He's in space right now, I think. Let's all put on our tinfoil hats and salute Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one, number nine, Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, Canadian. Uh, from Canada. Uh, which album? Mirror, Mirrorball. Oh, yeah. Which is weird because Neil Young had a Mirrorball album yeah. like three years before this. Wasn't Mirrorball the one he did with Pearl Jam? Yeah, I can never mm. remember this. There's Mirrorball and then there's Merkinball. And I didn't know if Merkinball is like an exclusively Pearl Jam slash Neil Young thing. And if Mirrorball just had stuff with them on it. I'm not super familiar with those records. But there's some there's some stuff in there. Yeah, there's things with them and Pearl Jam. Was it all original music that they were recording together? Oh yeah, that's. I mean, I think so. 
still be interesting. What yeah. do you guys think of Pearl Jam these days? I mean, that's a huge what? I haven't listened to a song since Yield, but I don't hate them. And I f- think they're almost like a Grateful Dead sort of following where they yeah. still tour like crazy and have huge turnouts at every oh, show. Oh, yeah. No, but they see, that's the thing. They don't tour like crazy. They come around oh. every handful of years. They're not whatever, I don't know, U2 or something who just like keeps touring. Pearl Jam take big rests. And they just, you know, they, they're a band... Uh, like since they started almost where they almost got to do whatever they wanted. They got big really fast. They, you know, took on Ticketmaster. They did all these things. So like mm. they, and they just have this legion of fans who will just yeah. follow them through whatever. So every time they show up, they'll play, you know, like two or three nights. It's the biggest arena in town, like all over America and Canada. Um, and they only show up every once in a while. I saw them in 2006. And again, I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan. But I went and saw them, and it's one of those bands where it doesn't matter how big a fan you are. You know every song just mm-hmm. from growing up mm-hmm. with Pearl Jam. I knew every friggin' song they played. They played every hit. They played a whole bunch of stuff from their latest record at that point. And those fans, they went mental. Like, this is Pearl Jam. Like, they have some upbeat stuff like that, but it's not just crazy People were just unprompted, like throwing their hands in the air all in unison, like an entire like uh, like hockey arena. Like it was insane how these people reacted yeah. to Pearl Jam. There was, I, I think, maybe just a screen up so you could see them. Those guys look like they just like woke up in a bunk bed and just like fell on stage. Like <laughs> there was no flair whatsoever with yeah. them. They so that's what I think earthy. about them. <laughs> Uh, they never embarrassed themselves. Which no, is they nice. didn't. Like they can just keep doing what they're doing. And I have a like. I'm not a fan. I like ten and o- uh, and uh, verses. Both great. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, they never embarrass themselves, which is nice. And they just uh, yeah, they have their self-respect. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. <laughs> As opposed to a certain <laughs> trying someone. to uh, finish that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Billy, Billy, Billy. Also Rivers. Oh, also Rivers. We okay, also, this is a whole other conversation. Yeah, we're not, yeah, yeah. We're not doing the Billy. We, we equally rip on Rivers. I could do today. I could do like a five-part series on ripping <laughs> apart Weezer. Uh, mm. And I've always, I'm never going to shake being the Weezer guy my entire life. Mm. I was screaming out, say it ain't so, at some 90s dance party last night. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways. Anything else? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. If you're still listening, thanks for listening this week. And I know you're still listening because you're obviously still listening. Uh, Two things about that episode that didn't get mentioned. One, we were talking about a late 80s, early 90s game show on Much Music. The host was Dan Gallagher. Dan actually passed away in the early 2000s. And the book I mentioned in the middle was called How Music Got Free. Uh, That's the history of the MP3, actually. And it's actually a totally good read, so you should check it out. Uh, The main people that get mentioned in it are... Doug Morris, the uh, CEO of Universal Music Group, he has an amazing history uh, being a label exec. And also uh, Del Glover, who was the guy who literally stole every piece of music you probably downloaded in the 2000s. So, uh, yeah, check that out if you want, and we'll see you next time.